Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Monday, February 20th, 2023. It's been 3,281 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 362 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, due to reported equipment, communications, and ammunition shortages, we have very low confidence that Russian forces will launch a larger, concentrated offensive in one or more directions on or before February 24th. Second, our assessment was accurate that the quality of training for MOBIC units was only incrementally better than the first wave into Ukraine in October, and the Russian military within Ukraine remains incapable of dramatically changing the battlefield situation before the start of Rasputitsa. Third, we maintain that the Russian Minister of Defense, Sergei Shoigu, is actively working to eliminate the influence of private military company or PMC Wagner Group and its leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin, both on and off the battlefield. Fourth, We maintain that the risk of another punitive missile and drone strike on civilians and civilian infrastructure from February 23rd to 24th is extremely high. Fifth, we maintain that Russian forces will continue to target electrical, heating, and potable water infrastructure. Sixth, we maintain that the Russian Federation's inventory of caliber cruise missiles is critically low based on the continued decline of launches from the Black Sea Fleet. And finally, we maintain that there is a risk of a nuclear accident caused by the de-energization of Ukrainian nuclear power plants as a result of Russian electrical infrastructure destruction. Let's get some regional updates, and since it's a Monday, check in with both belligerents' objectives, starting, of course, with Kharkiv. The Russian objective is to push Ukrainian forces west of the Oskil River and set conditions for a future, larger attack. The Ukrainian objective is to liberate the northeastern corner of the oblast, hold defensive lines in the Kupyansk operational area, and protect civilians and civilian infrastructure. In the Dvorichna operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported attacks near Hryanikivka and Masyutivka were repulsed. There continues to be very little information about the fighting in this area. We did not make any new changes to the map and maintained Hryanikivka as contested due to a lack of verifiable intelligence. <laughs> 
moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. The Russian objective is to integrate the oblast into the Russian Federation, recapture lost territory, and control insurgency. The Ukrainian objective is to break Russian defensive lines, advance on Svatova, Kremina, and Lusychansk, and support insurgents. In the Svatova operational direction, the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, reported they shelled Ukrainian positions in Novoselivsk. In eastern Kuzimivka, Russian troops attempted to hide from Ukrainian forces in a building, which was then attacked by drone-directed artillery. The Russian MOD reported fighting in the direction of Stelmachivka with no change in the situation. Mercenary mill blogger Wargonzo said Ukrainian forces made a successful attack in the direction of Krivoshivka near the P-7 highway. In the Kremina operational area, a Ukrainian source reported that Russian forces attempted to attack out of Ploshanka and failed, while Wargonzo reported a failed attack in the direction of Makivka. In our assessment, these reports probably reference the same attack. Fighting between squads and platoons continued with no changes to the line of conflict near Chervonopopivka. Northwest, west, southwest, and south of Kremina, fighting continued. Attacks by Russian troops are fading in strength, and there has been a reduction in artillery fire. Ukrainian forces repelled an attack in the Dibrova area, while the Russian MOD reported the settlement was shelled. We did not make any changes to the map due to the positional nature of the fighting. To the south of Kremina, fighting continued in the Serebryansky woods, and Russian forces again tried to cross the Siversky-Donetsk floodplain from Shiplivka. In the Lysychansk operational area, Russian forces attacked Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk, and were unsuccessful. The Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, Joint Center for Control and Coordination, or JCCC, confirmed that the Ministry of State Security in Kadyevka was hit by two rockets fired by HIMARS, which we reported in the Situation Report on February 18th. Russian mill blogger German Kulikovsky wrote that on the Svatova Kremina front, Russian forces are in a, quote, active defense, and there aren't breakthroughs due to, quote, enemy coverage. He also called for more counter-battery fire to shift the balance of power, quote, even if there is a lack of our own shells, end quote. In northeast Donetsk, the Russian objective is to capture the entire region and integrate the oblast into the Russian Federation. The Ukrainian objective is to defend Siversk and Bakhmut, push into the Luhansk oblast, and minimize civilian casualties. In the Siversk operational area, Russian forces made another attempt to advance on Vyemka following the tree-lined railroad tracks without success. PMC Wagner continued its attempts to advance on Fedorivka and remains unable to advance. In the Bakhmut operational area, the situation on the northern axis remains challenging, but the fighting intensity was lighter. Ukrainian soldier Madyar reported that Russian forces had a, quote, sanitary day and worked to remove the dead and wounded from the battlefield under cover of artillery fire. Artillery battles continued, but in his video the intensity is noticeably lower than 7 to 10 days ago. As with most of the videos and photos we reference, 
We do link to them in our full situation report on Patreon. PMC Wagner and Russian forces continued their attempts to cross the M3 highway and advance on Dubovo-Vasilivka. There were no reports of significant advances. There were two areas of heavy fighting in Ukraine, the first being east of Berkhivka near the M3 and T513 highways. There weren't, however, any credible claims of new advances beyond the first hills past the highway junction. Fighting continued east and southeast of Bakhmut, with our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal, Kremlin pariah and failed Mobik, Igor Strelkov-Girkin, writing, quote, Frontal assaults attacks continue in the urban area with very little progress, end quote. The status of Opitne was clarified after a series of conflicting social media reports on February 18th. A video showed a Ukrainian BMP-2 equipped with a 2A 42-30mm rapid-fire cannon firing from one block north of the line of conflict on Russian positions one block south of the line of conflict. A second video was taken from the point of view of the BMP-2 as it fired down the street. The videos confirmed that our map accurately shows the current line of conflict on the northern edge of Opitne and that Russian forces had not advanced deeper into Bakhmut. Quick note, watch the first video because you will quickly conclude you don't want to be on the receiving end of the 2A42. This is the metaphorical father of the main gun on the Ukrainian BTR-4. Fun fact, in April 2022, a drone video recorded a lone BTR-4 in western Mariupol, destroying five Russian tanks in under three minutes. Other fun fact, the upgraded gun in the BTR-4 actually has a lower rate of fire. NASA Fire Information for Resource Management Systems, or FIRMS, showed a thermal anomaly north of Opitne, indicating Russian artillery was targeting the area. In the Kostyantanivka operational direction, Ukrainian troops continued to pressure PMC Wagner and Russian positions south and southeast of Ivanivske. Madya reported intense fighting in this area as well, while Russian sources continued to report that PMC Wagner and Russian troops are being slowly pushed back from the T-504 highway. Russian troops are replacing Wagner mercenaries and again tried to attack in the direction of Chasivyar. Girkin reported, quote, there was no advance in the area, end quote. Kramatorsk was hit by two Russian S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for a ground attack that targeted the industrial district. There were no casualties, but production facilities were damaged and windows in homes and apartments were broken. In southwest Donetsk, the Russian objective is to capture the entire region, integrate the oblast into the Russian Federation, and bring the insurrection across southwestern Donetsk under control. The Ukrainian objective is to lock Russian military assets in place, defend the existing line of conflict while finding and exploiting weaknesses, destroy troop concentrations and command and control sites, interdict supplies, and disrupt logistics. In the Avdiivka operational area, the Russian VKS dropped a Fab 500, that's 500 kilogram, unguided bomb on the iron coke factory in the western part of Avdiivka. The coke factory is a key reason why the Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, doesn't want to attack the city head-on. 
The sprawling complex has similar Cold War-era bunker complexes that Ukrainian forces have reinforced over the last nine years. FSB Colonel Girkin reported a failed attempt to advance from Vodyana, with the 1st Army Corps lacking adequate combat strength due to losses and refuseniks that caused the offensive to collapse. In the Marinka operational area, fighting became positional, with Wargonzo reporting no change in the situation and Girkin repeating that combat power had been exhausted. In the Wuhidar operational area, light fighting in the dachas west of Mikilska continued, while the Russian MOD reported only shelling Ukrainian positions in Wuhidar. Special assessment here. There have been rumors since the late fall of Russian troops being sent unarmed into combat, told that they would need to take a weapon from a Ukrainian soldier or a dead comrade. In our February 18th situation report, we highlighted a graphic video in the Mikilskidaches showing a platoon of Russian troops running in panic in a firefight with Ukrainian light infantry. At the end of the video, there are 15 killed in action and four walking away, with at least one appearing wounded. Shortly after we published the situation report, it was pointed out that some Russian soldiers were completely unarmed. It is a struggle to maintain objectivity, leaving only a final assessment that this is a criminal act of misconduct. We are noting a report of an attack on Krasnohorivka. It was not, however, clarified if it was the settlement north of Avdiivka or north of Marinka. The prosecutor's office was shelled in Donetsk, setting the building on fire. Firefighters struggled to knock out the blaze due to a lack of water caused by frozen pumps and poor infrastructure. A hotel used to house Mobix was also shelled. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at malcontentnews. Moving on to Zaporizhia. The Russian objective is to prevent a Ukrainian offensive into Zaporizhia, integrate captured territory into the Russian Federation, and capture the remainder of the oblast. The Ukrainian objective is to liberate Russian-occupied areas, prevent further Russian advances, exploit weaknesses on the line of conflict, and protect civilians. The Ukrainian Ministry of Foreign Affairs claimed that Russian troops are blocking the planned rotation of International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, observers from the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. The IAEA did not comment on the allegations, and there were no updates on the status of reactors 5 and 6. In Russian-occupied Berdyansk, a recreation center converted into a field hospital caught fire. There were no reports from insurgents or local residents of explosions or missile strikes. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OCS, reported 10 Black Sea Fleet vessels on patrol, including two Kilo-class submarines capable of launching up to eight caliber cruise missiles. In western and central Ukraine, the Russian objective is to launch terror attacks on civilians in an attempt to break morale and maximize casualties by deprivation of heat, water, and medical services. 
The Ukrainian objective is to deter attacks and protect civilian lives. In Kherson, Russian and Ukrainian forces traded artillery strikes across the Dnipro River. In the city of Kherson, residential areas were hit, with Russian forces shelling the city six times. West of Kherson, Biloserka was heavily shelled by thermite munitions. A family spanning three generations lost three members, and five more are hospitalized after a Russian artillery shell struck where they were gathering near Bereslav. Among the wounded are three children. A Russian ammunition depot in Tavrizke was destroyed, with the sound of secondary explosions from small arms and heavy munitions recorded. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. United States President Joe Biden is in Ukraine on an unannounced visit. Speculation ran rampant as streets in Kyiv were closed and an American motorcade was seen moving through the city. He arrived in Kyiv and was greeted by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Shortly after it was confirmed that President Biden was in Kyiv, a Russian MiG-31K took off from an airfield in Belarus, sparking a nationwide air raid alert. Despite the alert, Biden and Zelensky visited the Memorial of the Fallen in Mikhailivska Square, where Biden laid flowers. The U.S. president will announce a new $500 million military aid package for Ukraine sometime today before leaving for Poland. Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney will visit Kyiv tomorrow, where she will also announce a new military aid package for Ukraine. Speaking of announcements, let's talk about the Russian military and mobilization. Colonel General and aspiring dentist Ramzan Kadyrov announced that when he leaves so-called public service, he will start his own private military company. Cool. PMC Wagner Group telegram channel Greyzone attacked the Kremlin in a continued war of words as the PMC is starved of ammunition and resources, saying, quote, The Ministry of Defense is just a part of the administrative apparatus. Today it has one name and tomorrow another. One-third are real patriots of Russia, the second-third are traitors, and the remaining part is just opportunists who change the signs on the office doors, but in fact, everything remains the same. End quote. Ultranationalist Alex Parker no longer thinks Russia can capture Bakhmut as long as Ukraine is committed to defending the city, saying, quote, It's all about reserves. I once wrote that Bakhmut had a week left. After I wrote this, the, insert slur referring to Ukrainians, made a political decision to keep it at all costs and drove fresh reserves to Bakhmut. In principle, even during the operational encirclement of Bakhmut, which is still very far away, it will be quite possible to supply the city. End quote. The Russian MOD vehemently denied firing any LNR or DNR 2nd and 1st Army Corps officers, even though DNR Press Secretary Edward Basurin was literally just fired. Russian mill blogger Alex Parker is going through some things, writing, quote, Can they no longer lie convincingly? End quote. Russia TV journalist Yevgeny Podubny also attacked the Kremlin and the continued policy of don't bring me any bad news, writing, quote, When I see the frightened eyes of senior officers who not only swim in reports, 
but also, like school children, are afraid of the generals. When I see a mass desire to quickly hide from the commander's gaze, when regiment commanders lie about battlefield progress because they don't know where their battalions are, everything is very bad and on the front. Combat work does not require lies from the side who is inflicted by obscene personal insults from the generals. End quote. Russian mill blogger Andriy Rudyenko has also joined the doom parade as Russia's large-scale offensive sputters, saying, quote, The option that everyone was waiting for and hoping apparently was born in the press and not by the general staff. It is time to accept that there will be no lightning victory. The enemies, he means Ukraine's, attitude towards our army has changed. From a once terrible mechanism that terrified the whole world, it was turned into just an army with many problems to fight. And this was the biggest mistake and stupidity made by our generals. End quote. Quick note here. Nothing highlights this change in perception more than U.S. President Biden's visit to Ukraine. Girkin claims that PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin reached out to the recently fired Basurin of the DNR to try and secure ammunition and recruit the officers and soldiers the Russian MOD refused to recertify. Quote, This testifies to the depth of Prigozhin's personal crisis as the leader of the private army. The capture of Bakhmut, which was predicted, including by me, before the end of February, seems problematic. Without replenishments and a sufficient amount of ammunition, it may not be possible. End quote. All is going to plan. In geopolitical news, United States Secretary of State Antony Blinken warned China about serious consequences in case of the transfer of weapons to terrorist forces of Russia, saying, quote, we are very concerned that China is considering the possibility of providing lethal support to Russia in its aggression against Ukraine. And I have made it clear that this will have serious consequences in our relations. End quote. The new prime minister of Moldova, Dorian Resien, said that Transnistria must be demilitarized and the Russian occupation contingent should be expelled from there. Some of the strongest language to come from Kisinau since Russia dramatically increased its aggression against Europe's poorest nation. Resien said, quote, We must achieve one fundamental thing, demilitarization. Everything else follows after that, and the economic and social integration of our citizens there is very important. End quote. In economic news, the ruble is starting the week flat with an exchange rate of 74 for one U.S. dollar. West Texas Intermediate crude was at $77 a barrel, and Brent was starting the week at $84. Russian Ural's crude declined sharply, with an official price of $55 a barrel. United States wholesale Arbob gasoline drifted downward to start the week, with spot market pricing at $2.42 a gallon, or $0.64 cents a liter. Dutch TTF natural gas futures started the week up, but remained stable in a narrow trading range. March and April's contracts were €51 Euros per megawatt hour. Chicago SRW wheat futures started trading at $7.76 a bushel for May 2023 delivery. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. 
You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.